0: Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal.
1: Welcome back. It's Wake Up Mid-Missouri, 8 after the hour, 7 a.m., and uh, still no sunlight, but that's going to change next week. Thank God. Unfortunately. There's Stephanie Bell. I see Hannah in the control room and John Marsh how you doing john doing good sir all right so uh... we talk now with michael bakesha who's with judicial watch and you uh... you might or might not know that michael went to law school here at good old mizzou right right with our friend stephanie
2: Oh, Are we having him on to ask him a bunch of questions about Stephanie back in the day? Yeah, no. let's do that. No.
3: Did, oh, did she hate dogs back then, Michael? <laughs> no. <I'm>, <laughs> <laughs> <You> <laughs> know, I, I want to be on again, so I'm going to try and be nice to her.
1: <laughs> oh. Hey, well, we love the work that Judicial Watch does. And, of course, you guys are always uh, you know, doing all of that uh, digging into those records and doing the, the dirty work that it takes a lot of time and effort and... Um, a, lot of, a lot of court work uh, to do as well. Um, and now uh, looking into the Obama chef death. I th- is this a conspiracy in search of a story, or might there be something there there, Michael?
3: You know, there probably... I'm not a conspiracy theorist. There probably isn't anything there um, besides a tragic death of someone way too early. And, you know, what sounds like an awful drowning. Um, but the reason we got interested in it was because after it happened uh the spokespeople for president obama said him and uh, michelle were not on the island they weren't at their vacation home and um you know this was just a tragic accident But there was nothing they weren't involved um we then there were seemed to be reports that maybe they were you know at their vacation home on the island and so we sent the public records request and we learned that not only were they home they were out to dinner um, when the when the drowning took place, but after that, on two occasions when they interviewed when the police interviewed the witness um, to the drowning, uh, President Obama was present and you know that's probably not out of the ordinary you know if you have a staff member that, you know, you have a relationship with and um, he tragically passes away and the witness is also one of your staff members, you know, you probably want to be there and involved, but you know, this just goes back to why did they lie the first time? Why did they say the Obamas weren't around when you know, when they were on the island and they were doing what any probably good employer would be doing? So, you know, we're just interested in it because we don't like when we're not told the truth.
4: Well, and so many times it's the cover-up, right, that people go down for. And so, yeah, so what you're saying is if they would have just been forthright in the beginning, that you probably wouldn't be involved at all.
3: Yeah, there wouldn't be a story, but the story is the fact why why is their story changing? And now we learn that the Secret Service were the ones that called the local police to try and get a dive team out the secret service had some of their agents um go into the water to try to find the chef um after he after he went underwater and so there was a lot of involvement from you know various law enforcement agencies and um why couldn't the truth have just been told right up front
4: well and isn't the drowning a little bit bizarre because wasn't it it was a young person who was known to be like a strong swimmer right
3: yeah, I mean, he was—I believe he was in his early 50s, late 40s, early 50s. Known to have taken swim lessons. Um, it was about eight feet of water, and he was out on a paddle board um, with, you know, what we believe is another staffer, and uh, he fell off the staff, fell off the paddle board, and that was it. So, I mean, it's a little bit odd because it was eight feet of water, and he was relatively young, and but um i guess if you panic tragedies like that can happen but it is it's one of those strange stories and of course because it involves the secret service and a former president and um would appear to be a little bit of a cover up up front um more questions need to be asked
1: yeah, it's anomalous enough that um yeah it certainly needs to be uh, let's just expose everything make sure that it is as it is appeared to be and uh, from there uh you're talking we're listening to uh, michael bekesha is that did i get that right bekesha is that right michael you did you with you did ju- with judicial watch and that's at JudicialWatch.org.
0: Michael, for guys like Randy and myself, the whole the whole investigation and uh, and this whole story kind of takes us back to the Chappaquiddick incident with Teddy Kennedy and driving off the the causeway and Mary Joe Kopechne, the victim, dying there.
3: Yeah, I mean, the difference there was uh, Ted Kennedy, you know, disappeared and uh, didn't want anything to do with it. Whereas here, at least uh, President Obama was uh, helping with the investigation. So, uh, you know, from that perspective, it seems like President Obama is a more upstanding citizen than uh, the Kennedys ever were.
4: Now, tell us a little bit about, your you're also digging into J6. And usually, I mean, as a conservative organization, and you know, I think we're all like, okay, let's move on. But you think there's something there that we still need to learn. Um, and there might be a change in the case coming?
3: Yeah, so, you know, after after January 6, we, um, we sent a request. To Congress, um, to the Capitol Police, for all the video footage for about that eight-hour period during that day, and um, you know whether you believe it's an insurrection, if you believe it was political protest, if you believe it was a riot, you believe it was a few bad actors, or if you believe, I guess, on the far extreme on the other side, it was just a normal day at the Capitol. Um, it's a historical moment for our country, and it would be. We believe in the public interest to release all the videos so that the public can have a sense and see for themselves what happened that day in the Capitol. And, uh, Capitol police refused to turn over the tapes. Uh, we've been in court fighting over it. And, um, you know, the Capitol police is run by a board. At least one of the board members is appointed by the speaker of the house. And so, you know, Kevin McCarthy's. uh, Capitol Police uh, had no interest in turning over the records to us, but you know we could be hopeful with the with a new speaker that uh, maybe he he's going to do the right thing for the American public and release the tapes.
4: How many total hours of tape is there?
3: Oh, there's you know depending on when you start counting, you know it's tens of thousands of do- tens of thousands of hours. I mean, I think. I think one of the numbers is like 44,000 hours of of video. Well,
4: and I think Um, I'd really like to see it. Honestly, I still don't feel like I fully know what happened that day. I was in a national park when it happened and so i didn't find out anything until about 10 p.m and at that point they were blocking things and you couldn't get to the information and then you know we've seen even tucker carlson his videos people accused him of clipping and whatever else and so you know honestly i'd like i think i'd like to see the whole thing
3: and and, and that's you know that's judicial watch its philosophy i mean we're not out here um shooting off conspiracy theories that this happened or that happened. We just want the information to be pub- available so that the public can see, you know, what happened. And, you know, there's a lot of tape out there and some of the tape may be empty, right? Nine hours of empty hallways. Um, and so that, you know, that's not of interest to the public, but what's of interest are, you know, where everybody was, who was doing what, And how things unfolded. And until the public has a completely clear picture of what happened that day, you're going to have clips coming out that may look worse, may look better, depending on what side you are. Um, Just release it all and let the public see for themselves. Well, that's right. I mean, if if there's really
1: nothing to hide, why not expose everything, just the raw files and let people look
3: through it? You know, the the government doesn't like that, right? The government doesn't want oversight. They don't want the American public to see what is actually going on because they want to control the narrative. And you know, that's a that's if you're a Democrat, if you're a Republican, it it doesn't matter and um that's kind of where we are, yeah. but we're hopeful. We're hopeful with the well, new speaker that things will change.
1: Well, there's there's so much reform and cleanup that's needed with uh, the deep state. I mean, I think this whole – when when conservatives slash, uh, you know, limited government people are denigrated by you know, the, the uniparty types uh, for, you know, wanting to keep our eye very, very closely on what's going on uh, in those bureaucratic halls um, – you know, the facts just keep um, belying that criticism. I see where on October 25th, you guys reported that uh, you filed a lawsuit, uh, a Freedom of Information Act a lawsuit against the Department of Justice because they haven't been responsive to your request to try to ex- get the documents explaining why I, I hadn't seen this number. $3.5 million of U.S. taxpayer number, uh, taxpayer money was given as reimbursement for the Quote time spent processing requests in the whole Twitter file thing three point five million and somehow they just can't come up with uh, any documents to support that kind of an invoice from Twitter. Wow, that's to me is that's earth shattering.
3: You know, we we see that every day. If we sued over um, every FOIA request and every issue, you know, we identify, we we would definitely be in court twenty four seven. We only sue over. You know, seventy-five to a hundred of our FOIA requests every year, and we're sending about a thousand out um, every year. And we—they're just story after story like that, where money's being spent, where government officials are taking action, and the public just doesn't know about it. And you know, it's our mission to expose it so that the public can see what's actually going on and be educated and know, you know, what what and who they're voting for every two to four years. Yeah, I mean that's really. I didn't realize they'd
1: paid that. Now I know that there are expenses associated with, you know, responding to these things, and sometimes they can be egregious. I mean, I think there is a an argument to be made that if a if a well, I was I was running a small safety net hospital for about seven eight years, and I mean, boy, we'd get these massive requests from vendors that wanted to know our purchase orders for and our invoices for like five years worth of hospital you know supplies. Uh, the time that it takes when people in a small place like that are, are, and, and the, the, the distraction it causes. And of course, this vendor wanted to know what prices they could beat, right? Mm-hmm. So I sort of, I get the spirit of it, but I think, um, the charges need to be reasonable according to law, right? And that's, I guess, maybe what you're getting at is $3.5 million a reasonable charge from Twitter for the time and effort spent on responding to this.
3: Yeah, I mean, let's just see in accounting. Let's just see why it why it took. Life costs so much, and if it's legitimate, it's legitimate, and we move on. But if you know you're giving favors to you know certain contractors to certain government officials, yeah, then you know that needs to be disclosed. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Well, Michael Bakesha, we thank you. Please uh, thank all of the folks, Tom Fitton and all the rest of your colleagues there uh, at Judicial Watch. We'll keep an eye on the great work you all are doing at judicialwatch.org. Thanks for being with us on Wake Up Mid Missouri. Thanks so much. All right, we come back. I guess I haven't hit the time mark, but we'll try. What's <laughs> hot with Hannah at 723, my sheet says. Ish. We'll see if we make it. Ish. We'll be right back.
0: This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Listen to Wake Up Mid-Missouri from anywhere in the world by downloading our app for free.
1: Well, it's the 7.23 on my watch, and it's time for What's what's Hot with Hannah here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I
2: don't know what watch you're looking at, but it's 7.25. I have a wind-up
1: right wind watch. I'll bet you John has one of those. No, I don't. I have the diver watch on this morning. Oh, there you go.
2: And this is a story that almost would fit in, that would be all, except for this, at 7.50, Um, Because it involves bodily functions. oh! I know how much the wake-up fam loves (laughs) stories that involve bodily functions. Trigger warning. Inside joke, Hannah. Is this
1: this going to be another day at the office for me, Hannah?
2: Uh, Yeah, maybe. It involves a Grubhub order. Okay, So, you know, one of these food delivery services. A man in Utah had a very unfortunate mishap. He had ordered a milkshake among other items, with his food order. And when it was delivered to him, he sticks the straw in the cup, takes a sip, and it's warm. Mm -hmm. So he takes the lid off, and he was not drinking a milkshake. He was drinking a cup full of urine out of a styrofoam (gasps) cup. Uh, So he gets a hold of the Grubhub driver. It's like, what the heck, man? And the guy's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I keep that in my car because I do so many long hours (laughs) (laughs) delivering. And I got the cups mixed up. Here's your actual milkshake. Oh, Oh my gosh. And, yeah. he (laughs) Did this result in a suit? Well, the customer claims he got sick. He calls Grubhub customer service. And they refund him the cost of his food, which is great. But they don't refund him the delivery cost. Or the tip that he had given the driver before, you know, the food and urine was delivered?
1: What were they thinking? I what don't was know. Grubhub thinking?
2: Once the story went viral, though, and like his local news outlet picked it up, uh, Grubhub released a statement <laughs> saying, we've been in contact with him and we're going to make it right. And free Grubhub for, the, for a year, I
1: think. Yeah, yeah. a minimum. Well, yeah.
2: would you even trust ordering like from a food delivery service again after that? I think I'd be... Guard for life.
1: I'd be
0: looking for the personal injury consultant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I just can't imagine like you're expecting this nice cold milkshake.
1: And- yeah, I mean that. Yeah, I mean. That, okay, can I? This guy needs to be. He needs to be tested for STDs. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of things that go on here, right? Oh, I mean, he could have is- transmitted, you know, infection. Uh, actually, urine is sterile, so, you know, uh, other than if you have chlamydia or gonorrhea or something like that. <laughs>
4: Apologies but, to anyone who's eating breakfast right now. It's possible. I'm just, well, I,
2: we it's try educational. To
4: be,
1: I try to be factual here. Yeah, right. you know, It's just it's the facts. Completely clinical this morning. Just very clinical. So, yeah, so this is, I can't imagine that he, he couldn't have taken in too much, though. Right? No, I mean, he
2: said it was one sip, and he yeah. pretty much knew immediately something was up. Right. That is like
4: something, like when you're expecting something to be hot or cold, and you take a yeah. drink, because I I regularly, Hannah calls me the beverage goblin, but I will have like a cold water, a cold Lacroix, and like a hot coffee, and when Ooh. you think you have one and the wrong yeah. temperature hits your lips, you immediately know, yeah. like,
2: I've, I've made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, something went wrong here.
1: And if I'm not mistaken, the... I didn't, don't the astronauts, at least in the old days, didn't they reprocess the urine to get the water from it? I remember going through a display I, at the Smithsonian. Yeah, I think, I think so. so.
2: But
4: that's been through like a treatment process. And it's like your own pee. I mean, drinking yeah. someone
1: else's. Well, how do you know that?
4: And you kind of know what you're well, remember, signing up for. we are More than one astronaut
2: uh, on
0: the space station.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there's probably a common, you know, a common silo, a common bucket that that all goes oh. into. Well, we are family. <laughs> We are family. <laughs> Not that kind of family. That's, I don't want to be that that's, kind of family with anybody. That's closer than anyone wants to be. Oh, boy. Dysfunctional family. The discussions that we have on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, you never it's like a box of chocolates. You never know what's going to happen. But I know what's happening. In a little bit, we're talking to Bob Onder, who I think's is making... Freedom of speech.
3: Practiced here daily. And perfected on the podcast.
0: This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri.
1: We talked to our good friend Bob Onder, Dr. Bob, an allergy and immunologist. Of course, a long-standing legislative experience here in uh, the Capitol, and uh, Bob joins us now. How you doing, Robert? Thank you for joining me. I'm doing well, Randy. Great to be back. So, of course, the rumors are flying mm-hmm. around after Dean Plocker's debacle, and then Bob Onder plops some personal money into his pack. You're running for Lieutenant Gov?
5: Uh, yes, Randy, I am. We haven't officially kicked off, but I am running for lieutenant governor, you know, for a number of reasons. Uh, I think we could summarize it as ethics, economy and education. I mean, the the uh, gosh, we have a speaker of the House who's running for lieutenant governor who has Three major ethical scandals, honestly, any one of which of the three should disqualify him from any public office, much less statewide office, including effectively embezzling money by filing false travel expense reports nine times over five years. Um, you know, economy, Randy, people in the state of Missouri are hurting. And what is the legislature in Jeff City doing passing ever more bloated uh budgets, uh, money for laboratories, for uh, experimental meat and dinosaur museums, um, giving us the largest tax increase in Missouri history, the gas tax. And then finally, education. You know, we keep pouring more and more money into education. And of course, the education bureaucrats say, just give us more money. But only 30 percent of kids this year tested proficient uh, in reading and math at the fourth grade level. Randy, we could do so much better in this state, but we need not swamp monsters who will do what the special interests tell them to do. We need people who stand up and do what they were elected to do for the people of Missouri.
4: So Dean Plocker's not the only one in that race, though. It's already pretty crowded. We've got um, State Senator Holly Thompson Rader. Uh, I mean, why do you think you'd make a better lieutenant governor than her?
5: Oh gosh, uh, Holly, Holly Thompson Raider. I don't think I've ever met a Republican who's more into identity politics than uh, Senator Rader. Um, if uh, when other senators were trying to put an amendment on her bill, she went into this uh, tirade about uh, about angry white males trying to mess with her bill. Um, you know, she's the one who who gave us uh, gave us a uh, government. Database to monitor our prescription drugs. She pushes free needles for uh, junkies and uh, and even voted to uh, allow Medicaid. I'm sorry, food stamps to be used for fast food. Uh, basically, I am the re, I am the conservative in this race. Over my time in the Missouri Senate, I've been endorsed by Missouri Right to Life. I have an A plus rating with the NRA. I have. American Conservative Union ratings of 100%, NFIB of 100%. Uh, I am the conservative in the race. I think we need a conservative reformer, not someone who will go to Jet City to do what the lobbyists and the swamp ask them to do.
1: Talking with a former uh, state senator and legislative uh, and a representative as well, Dr. Bob Onder, who uh, tells us this morning, not official yet, but it's gonna happen he's running for lieutenant governor and bob i you know you talk about the swamp and i mean it that just seems to be what happens in power centers whether it's at the national and federal level things get bogged down um people that are elected to in this case in your case and i know in probably many of the listeners to this program's case it's about uh it's about um you know limited government and we have a hard time doing that in missouri um john i know you had a question for bob go ahead
0: yeah, Dr. Bob, we were talking earlier about uh, omnibus bills on Capitol Hill, and then they're trying to oh, be yeah. cute with smaller ones and minibus bills. Man, in your career yeah. at the State House in Jefferson City, you've been down that road too many times, haven't you?
5: Well, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things that makes me say that I am the conservative in this race, the fiscal conservative in this race, is that in the last five years, uh, the budget in the state of Missouri has grown from 27 billion to over $50 billion, almost double. And, you know, and my opponents have have voted for or supported the this bloated wasteful spending. I don't know about all of you, but has your income doubled in the last uh, five years? And, and when, when, when government increases, Freedom shrinks. Uh, it's, it's almost a law of nature. Uh, we, we need to get this wasteful spending under control. We need to stop expanding government programs. Uh, you know, Medicaid, both Obamacare and Biden care have been expanded, uh, in the last several years. This year, uh, TANF welfare checks have been expanded. Food stamps have been expanded. You know, Republicans send Republicans down to Jefferson City to govern as conservatives, uh, not as Democrats light. So we need we need to really change things. But I think I think to the point um, it is this, it, what what causes Republicans who said all the right things when they run were running for office to go down to Jeff City and govern in this way. I think it's because they get swallowed up by the swamp.
4: Now, it's being reported so the Senate is uh currently caucusing and it's being reported that many in the uh caucus formerly known as the conservative caucus are not in attendance. That includes uh Senator Bratton, Senator Carter, Senator Igel Hoskins and Moon. Um in my mind that doesn't bode well for uh next session seeing as they've bowed out of that caucus and as a, the L, you know the lieutenant governor uh technically presides over the Senate and I mean, how do you see the Missouri Senate going forward? And what could you do as lieutenant governor to try to pull the conservatives back together?
5: Yeah, well, no, I think that I think that could definitely happen. I think the lieutenant governor uh, can uh, is the president of the Senate and can help lead the Senate, help bring people back together. Um, You know, right now, uh, you know, it's it's very fashionable uh, in the Jeff City Swamp. To blame the conservative caucus uh, for everything bad that happens or does not happen, but in fact, uh, to, in too many of the positions of leadership, very weak rhino Republicans hold all of the reins of power. You now, I can't speak to who's who's in uh, the Senate uh, Senate Republican Caucus this week and who is not. But I think that the the right it's all about it's all about leadership. Look, we have more Republicans in the Missouri legislature as a percentage than Florida. And yet Florida has uh, the leadership that's allowed them to do some really great things. Um, and unfortunately, in many ways, we've been lacking that leadership uh, the last uh, several years.
1: Talking with former state senator and now uh, candidate for lieutenant governor, uh, Bob Onder. Bob, um, why is it you just you just touched on this? Why is it that the conservatives in leadership in this uh, state, uh, really from you know from the governor's mansion all the way down, can't. Take a cue from the states to where there is in-migration like crazy from all of the the West Coast and the the East Coast. I mean, where are the people going? They're going to Texas, Tennessee, and Florida. And there seems to be a formula there, and it seems to be a fairly consistent one. What in the world is the problem? And, And I guess as a corollary... Um, We often think of lieutenant governor candidates and governor candidates, you know, running as a ticket unofficially or as a, you know, an alliance. Have you set your sights on one or two, you know, or just one uh, potential gubernatorial candidate that you would like to partner with, uh, if not officially?
5: Yeah, Randy, I'm definitely running my own race. Um, I think to the extent that other candidates running... You know, for governor or secretary of state or auto, or rather treasurer, I think to the extent that those, uh, you know, candidates, um, share that message of conservative reform and, uh, not kowtowing to the swamp. Uh, you know, I think many of the same voters will, you know, will vote, you know, up, up ticket and down ticket, um, you know, for for sort of for people who uh, believe in that message and to have the interests of Missourians in mind, not the swamp. But, yes, why cannot Missouri Republicans uh, take, uh, you know, take cues from Florida and Texas and Tennessee and even and even Arkansas um You know, I think I think many times it's lack of leadership. I think we've had a lot of turmoil in state government over the past, uh, you know, six years, eight years or so, uh, you know, with all the shakeups of the statewide offices. It, you know, uh, positions being filled by appointments rather than uh, fair and square elections. I think uh, Missourians will elect a a slate of uh, good conservative reformers this year. But, no, I'm running my own race.
1: We certainly have, yeah, and I didn't want to imply you weren't, but I mean, I think that probably, uh, what, what Republicans and conservatives, libertarian leaning people of all types want to see is a unified stance on the part of their elected officials to take that hard line against that expansion of government that you talked about. Uh, true, true. Education choice. Uh, how about some property tax reform? Oh, let's go one better Absolutely. elimination, uh, and uh, let's bring commerce back into that this state. I know one of the uh, functions that the current lieutenant governor is involved in is uh, you know the the tourism industry. I think has a lot to do with yes. that. I've heard Mike talk about that. That that does sort of resonate with a sound and growing and pos- prosperous economy, doesn't it? The whole tourism thing. Well, that's right.
5: Yeah, that's right. I think tourism is very important. The lieutenant governor is also in charge of uh, programs pertaining to veterans and to seniors. And uh, no, tourism is wonderful. And that is, of course, a, a duty of the lieutenant governor's office. I would say, though, that I'm even more concerned. Uh, as, um, as Allison and I, you know, have raised our six kids, we now become officially empty nesters. I worry about whether Missouri is going to be the kind of state uh, that my children will be able to come back to to uh, mm-hmm. pursue their careers to raise their families and um you know when we see you know florida and texas uh and other states um you know growing uh and their formula is very simple Lower taxes, less, go- less government, re- less regulation. And, you know, to me, the, the opposite is true. Um, you know, those, uh, those states that, that continually grow government, that spend every penny, that, uh, you know, refuse to cut taxes even when they have, uh, revenue sufficient to allow them to do so. Those are the states that are going to stagnate. I want Missouri to be in that first category, not the second.
1: And, uh, we only have a minute here. I know you haven't, we haven't touched on your very, very consistent pro-life stance as well. You have to be concerned about the initiative petition, the language that was struck down in the appeals court the other day by a Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. Um, that doesn't bode well for uh, the sanctity of life in this state, does it?
5: No, that's right. I mean, the the appeals court said that you know Jay uh, Ashcroft's language was biased, basically in a pro-life direction. But the language that the court of appeals approved is is very biased in the mm-hmm. uh, in the in the opposite direction. You know, quote reproductive health care. Uh, you know, I, I don't believe that uh, that killing unborn children is reproductive health care, mm-hmm. um, and um, I'm very concerned about that and. You'll be hearing a lot about uh, about that uh, from me as well. I was a, a principal author of the heartbeat bill that we passed right. in 2018 to make Missouri a pro-life state.
1: All right dr. Bob hey it's great that you'd be on with us and thank you for confirming those rumors that have been just abounding everywhere uh, unofficially but now uh, you will be officially announcing very shortly and filing for lieutenant governor uh, in the GOP primary. Hey Bob, thank you so very much appreciate it. Thanks for having me back, Randy. Thank you. All right. There's Bob Onder on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. That's a little bit of news, huh? I think breaking news. All right. When we come back, I thought that was all except for what John has when we come back on that would be all except for this. Stay tuned. More coming up on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri.
0: Get an exclusive look behind the scenes by watching on YouTube. Search Wake Up Mid-Missouri.
3: And that would be
0: all, except for this. A group of excited women caught on camera mistaking a police officer for a male stripper as he tried to shut down their their Halloween party in Sydney, (laughs) Australia. The incident was filmed and put up on TikTok. TikTok, TikCop, as it's called. Come on, Boomer. Here we go cop rocks you to shut down your event but y'all think he's a stripper 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 one giddy woman was heard shouting in the background of the clip and they said uh unfortunately he ended up just leaving because everyone started twerking around him <laughs> one of the viewers said i was happy about the call out and noticed the small smile break out across the officer's face and Unsubstantiated, we can't prove it, but he was heard to say, I'm writing you a ticket to one woman because you have fine written all over you. And now you know the rest of that story. Well,
2: that's kind of creepy, but... On
1: on tick cop. (laughs) There you go. And if that cop, would be all cop, except for i think it's cop talk
2: right
4: Hannah? cop when talk
1: they, is that what it is i and have
2: no idea what any of y'all tick are talking
1: tock, about <laughs> tick tock
2: cop talk
4: they 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 name like different like if you get on like water talk or like if there's i a was on wedding talk wedding talk yeah
1: exactly so cop I, talk there you go oh. easy hey, so john tell us about this guy that drove his car into a house uh, here in Jefferson oh, City. Oh, apparently
2: Randy doesn't want to talk about he, the stripper. He's also. No, it's well, we're this probably
1: guy's a, good to move on. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go there. I, I, We've we got to watch out talking about strippers. Aren't? But
4: I think he's also on Cop Talk, the guy who yeah, uh, yeah. drove yeah, the star. I
1: think
0: he, if he's <laughs> not, he should be. <laughs> yeah. He faces charges of driving under the influence. In the four thousand block of Buckingham Park, guy's name was Luke Weber. Went off the road, <laughs> hit the driver's side of a parked car, and then crashed into two houses. Obviously, a uh, suspicion of DWI involved, huh. but you kind of worry about that. You know, be kind of funny on the outside of it but that happened to be halloween night when this all happened i was gonna say
2: was everyone okay
0: yeah little kiddos and all i don't know (laughs) if they were scurrying away from the scene or not
2: as long as no one was seriously hurt we can laugh about it right there you go i mean i think he was just looking for chocolate milk (laughs)
1: that's right oh a good one (laughs) or or a stripper cop maybe yeah maybe the 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 local stripper cop i don't know uh you know i another if another one on that would be all except for this i was really really embarrassed the other day on my program uh which happens often
2: did you mistake brian hansen for a stripper
1: i I went off on the whole deal i went off on the whole deal on trick-or-treat uh, that when in St. Louis, apparently it's an isolated St. Louis thing. Yes, that you you have to perform if you're a child in a in a costume. You have to perform before you get that Butterfinger in your in your uh, pillow sack.
4: We heard we heard this from Brandon too, who also grew up in right. St. Louis, and he said, "Yeah, that's a, and no no one around here does that."
1: And Hanson jumped all over me, and so did the audience. They said, "No, no, no, you have it wrong. If if the person at the door doesn't have something for you." then you can play a trick on them. You can yes. spoof them. And I said, what the heck? That's the beginning of the welfare state. But, like, <laughs> I don't know. Is that the case? you got to earn your treat. I don't know. Well, it looks like uh, we're out here in a little bit. Hey, when we come back, um, we'll be talking with uh, Chris. No, who are we talking with? <laughs> oh, Wayne Wallingford. I got the wrong sheet up.